uh, message today is How Long, O Lord, based upon Psalm 13. Okay? You guys, uh, when we went around earlier, you guys made a lot of very good observations. You asked even a lot of good questions. And hopefully today as we go over this, remember, um, with the outlines, we'll see some more of God's Word. And then I want to end, remember tonight, as long as you guys share your applications from this truth, okay? So, uh, in the beginning of this, have you guys ever been in a season where you ask God a lot of questions? We had a lot of questions, wondering things about God. Um, not necessarily you might always doubt, but sometimes just like, I know God's real, I know the God of the Bible is real, but I don't understand this particular situation, this particular chapter in my life right now. Uh, and if so, I think Psalm 13 is a good place for us to read, to c- help carry us, to encourage us to cling to Jesus still, right? Even in the midst, and, and cling to God, and hold on to God, even in a time period of a lot of trials, where we have a lot of questions, okay? By the way, um, as we look at this, we're going to see today there's going to be three responses we should have. Uh, how many responses? Three. three. Okay, we should have during seasons of our life, oh, I misspelled life, uh, not L-I-V-E, L-I-F-E, when we have a lot of questions for God, okay? Uh, these three seasons, uh, these uh, the season, uh, we have three responses. The first is in verses 1 to 2, so how many verses do we have total? Six, okay? So uh, each point is going to have two verses. The first point is we should take our questions to God, okay? We should take our questions to who? God. God. This is in verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and what? Two, okay. Uh, point number two, and I'm going to ask Abby, Rebecca this question next, okay? Point number two is we should request for God's help. What's point number two? Ask for God's help. Yeah, ask for God's help, okay? This is in verses three and four. Verses three and what? Four. Four, okay? And then uh, Abigail, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, after, I, uh, what is point number three, okay? So point number three is this. We should continue to trust in God. We should continue to trust in God. What's point number three, Abigail? We should continue to trust in God. So good? Should... Yeah, continue to trust in God. Very good, okay? This is in verses 5 and 6, okay? Verses 5 and 6, okay? So in beginning of the matter here, like I said, Hebrew uh, verse 1 uh, is actually the subscript, the part right above where it says, For the choir director is Psalm of David, okay? So we see right away from the subscript, this is written by David. And David was what? A thousand years before Christ was born, okay? In 1000 BC, okay? Which makes this psalm how old? How old is the psalm? Yeah, 3,000 years old, okay? Give or take, 3,000 years old, okay? Um, Psalm 13 is a lament psalm, okay? Say lament. Lament. Okay, what is lament? Lament psalm is recognized by, there's expression of grief, sorrow, fear, Anger, contempt, shame, guilt, and other dark emotions, okay? Uh, a lot of dark emotions with that, okay? By the way, uh, it's uh, in, when you read the book of Psalms, how many Psalms are there total? 150, okay? There's 60 of them, okay? Now, it depends. Different scholars count it differently because even sometimes a joyful one could begin one or two verses that's sad a little bit or a little gloomy, okay? So there's over 60, uh, half of 150 is how many? 70, right? So almost, and the, the largest group of psalms is actually, in terms of types, is actually lament. Okay? It's 60. That's almost, what, half. Okay? Which I think speaks to character that in the Christian life is not always happy, 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 right? 
It's not always happy, happy, happy. And that means even in a Christian life, there'll be some dark days, there'll be some days. Uh, and I always tell those that are young, your longest, toughest, worst days are still what? Ahead of you, right? Um, and we don't know until the end of our life, okay? So in light of all this, this is why the Psalms is important for us, okay? Uh, and one of the observations that uh, Leo pointed out is for the choir director. Now, a lot of times today when we hear songs of worship, it's always what? Very joyful, you know, rock bandish, really cool, really upbeat, right? Um, but really, sometimes in a Christian life, there's places for songs of lament. Psalms where we're crying out. Crying out when what? There's suffering in life where innocent uh, have been hurt. Uh, which sometimes include ourselves, okay? Uh, so we hear, we see that this psalm is for us. By the way, as we look at Psalm 13, as we look at selected psalms, I'm not necessarily going to go chronologically, where we see other psalms with similar themes and points, like to what we're going to go over today. Yes. But that doesn't mean we say, oh, we don't have to come next week, but to say, no. How much more we need to just remind us, okay? Because as we go through a lot of parts of our life, sometimes on top of our head, there's a lot of worries, a lot of anxieties, Right? Whether with our occupation, with our job, with school, with, with our uh, um, relationship, with marriages, with family relations, with co-workers, with things at church, okay? Uh, with, with everything. Things don't always go our way. But that's why we need to go read the scriptures even more. And I want to go over this to encourage you guys to go through that what? Psalm. And also to minister to us in the tough times in our life. With this being said, let's look at point number one. We should take our questions to God. Okay? Point number one is what again? Take our questions to God. This is based upon what verse? So you're looking at your outline? Verses what? One and two. two. Okay, so tonight is, we're not looking at the, the website, it's email attachment, okay? We should uh, take our questions to God. Let's read verses one and two again, okay? Let's read verses one and two again. Um, Josh, read verses one and two together. Is that okay? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long will my enemy be exalted in me? Okay. So there is here four questions of how long, okay? Four questions. Uh, four times this passage, uh, David asked how long, okay? These four questions reveal really three troubles that David faces, okay? Uh, there's four complaints of how long, but really it reveals there's three problems that David has. The first problem he faces is God seems far away, which is complaint one and two together, okay? Uh, the first problem is what? It's his relationship with God, okay? God seems very far away. Have you guys had that experience recently? Yeah. And if so, this psalm is for us. We need to yeah. be the same way. We should take our question before God, okay? So let's say complaint number one, a little closer. It says, Oh Lord, <coughs> when it says, How long? It goes on and says, Oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Okay? Here he does not want to be forgotten. Okay? Isn't it a sad thing? Have you guys ever been, uh, meet people that you know, but it's been a long time, and then when you meet them, you say, Oh hi, but then they've forgotten about you? You guys ever have that? It's pretty awkward, right? You, you might remember every detail, and all of a sudden they don't remember who you are. Pretty awkward? Yeah. Okay, so we don't like the feeling of being forgotten, and how much more fearful the fear of the fact that God, what if God has forgotten about us? What if God is working in everyone else's life but is not working in our life? 
sometimes in our life we can feel that way when we look only at the lives of others, okay? Um, but rather than get upset with others first, we should, number one, go to God with our questions, okay? Yeah. As He is, He says, Oh Lord, okay, and asks, Will you forget me forever, okay? Note this is a cry towards God and not just against God because David calls out God's name, Oh what? Lord. Literally in the Hebrew, it is what? Oh Yahweh, okay? Yeah. Uh, the Lord, uh, in your version, verses 1, is it capital L? Yes. Capital O? Yes. Capital R? Yes. Capital D? Yes. L-O-R-D capitalized is the English way of saying Yahweh, translating Yahweh. Yahweh. And Yahweh is God's Hebrew name, okay? Yeah. So say Yahweh. Yahweh. Okay? So he's crying out to God, okay? And he's addressing Yahweh, okay? So there's a difference between, uh, when we question God, there's two different kinds of uh, heart that we have. One is could be either unbelief, or we cry out, we don't understand, but we still go to God. How do you know the difference? Is unbelief doesn't go to God at all. True belief, even when you don't understand the situation, but you still trust in God, you always go to God with your prayers. And prayers of question. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's look at the second complaint, which is the second line in verse 1. He says, How long will you hide your face from me? Okay. Elsewhere in the Bible... God's face is a source of blessing, okay? Now, does God literally, do we literally see God's face? Yeah. Uh, do we really? Literally? No. See, no. So this is, I think, speaking figuratively. Yeah. Now, you know, there's parts of the Bible where if you're going to see God face to face, you might die because we're unholy, okay? Yeah. Unless it's the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, face, okay? Question? Uh, what about seeing Jesus Christ, like the 12 disciples? Saw yeah, Jesus. so that's, uh, Jesus Christ is God, becoming God the Son, the second member of the Trinity, becoming a man. Taking on, uh, John 1.14 says, He tabernacle among men. That is, He take on a human form. Fully human. So that's why we don't die right away, because it's His mercy. So, uh, seeing Jesus Christ doesn't count as seeing God's face. Uh, that's not totally true either because Jesus Christ is fully God. So there's, uh, there's another doctrine of God called divine simplicity. If you, if you remember Sermon Audio, uh, uh, you had to go to that. Many years ago we talked about that God, which is, divine simplicity is one of the least simple doctrines there is. Um, that there's a sense Jesus Christ is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. They're not one-third God, one-third God, one-third God, like God in parts. God is one being fully. That each part of the member of the Trinity is fully God that you see. So it is right to say when, you, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, I think it is biblical to say, God died for us. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, same way also as well, we would see, he, they would have seen God's face also. Okay. But then we have to caveat that by saying it's His human nature that we see of His human face. But it's truly still God because of the divine simplicity. Okay. Let's go on uh, with this. Uh, we want to see other places where divine face of God shows that that's a source of God's blessing upon us, okay? Turn, put your pinky or thumb in Psalm 13. Turn with me to number 6. Number 6, okay? Number 6. Number 6 is, you're going to head to the left, okay? So, yeah, so the first book of the Bible is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So the fourth book is Numbers, okay? Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, okay? Numbers chapter 6. Verses 25 to 26. 25 to 26. Again, 25 to 26. Mr. Burton, would you be able to read that for us? The Lord. Starting with 24, right? Uh, 25 to 26. Uh, 
Is that okay? The I know Lord it's really good. Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Okay. So what's going on here is there's a benediction, okay? The Lord said to Moses, Ace, in verses 22, 23, He said to Moses these words. This is how you're to bless his people, okay? So sometimes we know in church, especially when we do with Chinese side, who we always end with what? A benediction. So some pastors read this. Other pastors would uh, quote the benediction from Jude, which I often quote more from, okay? But here it says, in invoking God's name is to invoke God's blessing upon them. Did you catch 25 where it says, May the Lord shine His face upon you, okay? So that's a euphemism. That's a symbol to say God's blessing will be upon you. Knowing this as background, turn with me back to Numbers, uh, correction, Psalm 13, okay? You guys had a bookmark there? Numbers 13, verses 1, the second line, when it says, How long will you hide your face from me? In other words, he's saying, Hey God, are you stop, have you stopped blessing me? And if it's the case, it seems like God, you stopped giving me blessing, how long will this endure, okay? How long will this endure? The psalmist is saying God is the one who's hiding his face from the psalmist. Um, note in the Hebrew word the causative verb hide, okay? I think it's to emphasize God is the one that's hiding. It's not just He happened accidentally, but no, God is intentionally. This is what the psalmist is saying, okay? Now, I'm not saying this is fully right, but this is saying in the moment when he's going through trial, sometimes it feels God is purposely hiding Himself from us, okay? So He's taking this to God. So, first problem is He feels from Psalm 13. Uh, uh, ben Warren, I'm glad to see you from Arizona. Uh, Psalm 13, uh, we see the first problem is he feels his relationship with God is far. This is the first of three. The second problem he has in verses uh, here, one and two, is which is really his third complaint, is he feels a problem within himself. David the writer is saying, hey, I have this problem, internal battle within myself. Look with me in verses two. He says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all day long? Did you catch how many times the word my is mentioned in the first half of verse 2? Twice. He says, my soul, and what else? My heart, okay? In other words, he's referring within himself. He's referring within himself that there's a battle within himself, okay? Uh, earlier someone says, pointed out, shall I take counsel my soul? Literally, that's an uh, expression to say the concept of worrying, Okay? He has this problem, not just only his relationship with walk with God seems like God is distant. He realizes the battle within. He's, he's overwhelmed with anxiety. He's overwhelmed with a lot of worrying. When it says, shall I take counsel of my soul? He's saying, hey, I'm thinking a lot and I'm thinking too much. Does that make sense? And he only has himself for referencing, okay? Thinking only within himself uh, with dealing with his problem. That's a really tough place to be. Again, David is also realizing how his particular problem will give him sorrow in his heart, what? All day, okay? So, uh, uh, when, it, when it says, right, it says, having sorrow in my heart all day, okay? So this is literally a guy that's waking up in the morning, right? As soon as he wakes up, what? He has anxiety. In the middle of the day, is he still anxious? Yes. And at the end of the night, when he's trying to sleep, he can't sleep, but when he finally falls asleep, is he still worried? Yes, right? Maybe that's what we're going through right now. But God's Word says when we go through this kind of problem, who should we go to? We should see the uh, means of grace that God has given us is to pray, okay? We need to pray with all our anxiety. 
Maybe our, every one of our problems is different, okay? Uh, let's not downplay each other's problem, right? Because sometimes we could go through a season where one problem gets solved, but then boom, we're in the same, another brother's problem. And whereas earlier we looked at and said, oh, I have harder than him. Suddenly, wow, we're going through the same thing that the guy's been going a few months, and yet it's also hard, okay? So realize things are tough. Instead of looking at others first sometimes, we need to look towards God and pray and bring our questions in prayer towards God. Problem number three, which is really complaint number four, because complaint one and two is really the, his problem and God's distance. But now problem number three is what? He says in verse two, second line, will my enemies, my enemy be exalted over me? He now has a problem of what? An enemy, okay? Added to the problem already, it just, if the, if the first two problems are already a big problem, he feels God is distance. He feels within himself the battle within his mind of thinking clearly, okay? Now he had the reality that outside of himself, he also has an enemy. He has someone that is against him, okay? Don't forget who's writing this. Who's writing this? David, okay? Now, I don't have time to go over this, but the first book of Psalm, which is Psalm 13 is part of book one. The book of Psalm has how many books? Divided into five books, okay? Uh, the first part is how God brings and establishes the Davidic dynasty, okay? And generally, overall, when you look at book one, it's pretty optimistic. Now, this is one that is hard. Well, because what? He's trying to become king, okay? He's trying to become king, and there's opposition. But then you see, and especially with 3 and 4, it gets really dark. Okay, He's crying out even more. A lot of the themes in the book of... Uh, that's later on because of David's reign, right? He reigns, but will there be opposition? Yeah, even his own, what? Son will betray him, okay? But here you see even the hints of things to come that there are enemies in this life. So in asking this question, earlier my wife asked the question, is this literal? You know, some of these things. I would say when it talks about enemy here, He's talking about literal enemies. He's talking about even military enemies, military and political enemy. Who was his question? If this is David writing this, who was his political military enemies in the beginning before he became king? It was King Saul, okay? Did Saul want to kill him? Yes, okay? So he's saying, hey, will my enemy be exalted over me, okay? And by the way, I think this also shows, this is not just talking about enemy of our own enemies, but this is also a dimension of God's enemies also as well that's going against him, okay? Note though, David's faith is still in God because he continued to ask questions and directs his question towards who? God. When he says, and by the way, did you catch it says, how long? And he didn't say, if ever, okay? Does that make sense? He knows God is vindicating him. It's a question of how long, not saying if God, God ever fulfill his words, okay? Does that make sense, Okay. Um, so there's a difference to say, I want to emphasize that he still has faith, but he has he displays faith by taking his questions, his hard questions before God, okay? So his application, as application, we can ask God the questions by, uh, we can ask God, uh, not by drifting, sorry, I miswrote this, okay? Not by drifting away from God, but towards God instead, okay? When we ask God questions towards God, when we have, ask questions towards God, we pray to Him about it. So pray to Him, okay? And prayer really is still an act of faith, okay? Act of faith, okay? When we struggle, do we bring your questions? When you struggle, do you bring your questions, your worries to God, right? What are things you're struggling With? By the way, sometimes in our life, there's something, a question we always have that's nagging us. That's in the back of our mind, right? Some people might be, will I be married? 
you know, will I live long? What will my health be? School, what will it be? What will be, how will our kids grow up? Will they be Christians, right? How will their education be? Whatever it is, you know, uh, how will we finish our project? Whatever question we have, we always have those. But do you bring those questions to God, okay? Do you bring your difficult question in your mind that's making you anxious, okay? I think it's good to sometimes sit down and say, what is my biggest question that makes me, that's driving my anxiety, right? Because a lot of times anxiety is a question mark we have. What are those questions? Could you summarize in one question? And could you bring it to God? And by the way, even if you can't bring those questions and summarize in one way, go and throw those questions in prayer towards God, okay? Go to God with those questions. Third application point is we must believe that praying to God with our question is helpful, okay? We need to believe that asking those questions in of itself is helpful, okay? Sometimes we seek many people for advice. Sometimes we just want to rant, do we not? We rant and we feel, as soon as we rant, we feel it's helpful. But what happens if we're in a place where we cannot find someone to go, to share our thoughts? Could we be in places like that in life sometimes? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes at work, we may not be able to share everything in our minds. Because we go share our boss, boom, we're out. Or others in leadership, we cannot share it necessarily because they can't handle Sometimes, okay? But uh, by the way, I think as part of Christian growth, sometimes we need to realize to be a humble servant leader, to share that we don't know all, and then we grow constructively with others' input. But there's times where it might be difficult. So in those cases, we go to God and share our struggles. Uh, Caleb, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're at Psalm 13, okay? So let's go to um, point number two. Point number two is this. If you're following along, point number two is based upon verses three and four. What is it? In the outlines, for those that have outlines, what is point number two? You guys have your outlines? Okay. Uh, we should request for God's help, okay? Uh, next week, I'll try to have it online, so I think it's easier. I actually think it's easier to read online than just uh, from the outline, okay? And plus, there's less thing on your computer that's there, okay? Okay. Point number two is we should request for God's help, okay? We should request for God's help, okay? Uh, so now we go uh, questions for God, we should, even in seasons we have so much questions, we should continue to ask God for help. Let's read verses 3 to 4, okay? Uh, Caleb, would you be able to read Psalm 13, verses 3 to 4 out loud? Psalm 13, verses 3 to 4. I'm going to sit up because my back is hurting. Okay, Psalm 13, verses 3 to 4. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, from this, these two verses establish that we should request God for help, okay? The first part is we go to God over our questions in times of trials, in times of difficulty. But point number two is we should request God for help, okay? Notice the request is phrased in two ways. Request number one is in verses three, where it says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Note, by the way, how God, David is still addressing God. Did you guys catch the part where it says, O Lord my God? Is, by the way, it's not just the God, but what? My God. In other words, he's still making God his personal God, okay? Yeah. David uses two verbs uh, to ask God to respond. Uh, kind of like what Leo pointed out earlier. Consider and answer, okay? Uh, consider and answer, okay? Request number two is this. 
Enlighten my eyes in verses uh, uh, verses 3, okay? Do you guys see that? Uh, his second request, now this is pretty interesting. This is an actual idiom, this is an idiom expressing uh, effects of God's blessing, okay? Uh, I actually think the best way to understand this is first turn with me to 1 Samuel, okay? 1 Samuel. So if you're in Psalms, you're going to have to be making a left, okay? Your left is the first book is Job, and then you make another left is what? All those small books, uh, you know, Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, I think. And you keep going. If you get turn with me to 1 Samuel, okay? 1 Samuel 14, 1 Samuel 14, verse 29. 1 Samuel 14, you guys can use your table content, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 29. 1 Samuel 14, verses 29. Could I have a volunteer read that out loud? Who's there? 1 Samuel chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 29. Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, by way of context, if you guys remember, uh, Jonathan was a son of uh, a king. The first king of Israel was named what? Saul. And one of his sons was named Jonathan, Okay. Now, there was a military thing. The, the father had this crazy rule about not eating, fasting, right? But then what does the son do? He didn't know about it, so he ate what? You guys remember? He ate what? Honey, okay? Uh, he ate honey that was on the floor, okay? But notice he was tired, right? He's been tired. He hasn't eaten all day. So when he did this, as soon as he ate the honey, it says, he says this, My father's troubled the lamb. See now how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. So from this use of this phrase, brighten or enlighten, I think what he's trying to say is this, that before he was struggling to keep his eyes open, but as soon as he tastes honey, what happened? His eyes open up wide. He has a lot of what? Energy, okay? Uh, he has a lot of energy, okay? Um, have you guys ever wake up in the morning? It's you struggle to have your what? Eyes open. You guys have that? Yeah. Uh, but then you still have to do things, but then as soon as you what? Have a little bit of coffee. After a little bit, uh, what happened? Your eyes what? Wake up. Widen, okay? Your eyes widen, okay? So here we see, in light of this, is what is saying is this. He's asking God, hey, give me strength. Renew me to give me strength and energy. Now, is this talking about physical strength? Is it talking about spiritual strength? Uh, we don't know fully. But I think there's a part where, remember, the physical and the spiritual are all, in, and the mental is all connected, Yes? And I think we can best ways to see it holistically, okay, rather than secular and uh, sacred stuff, right? Uh, rather, holistically, he's asking, in every way, give God strength, okay? By the way, when we go through trials, sometimes when we're depressed, people have no strength to do anything, right? You get up, but then, man, you're more tired, right, than even the day before. So ask God, request Him for strength, Okay. He, he notice he goes on and gives two reasons why he makes his request. Reason for request number one is this: Oh, why I sleep the sleep of what? Death. Okay. David doesn't want to die, but also, but it is also more than not wanting to die. It is dying before fulfilling what God says He will do in David's life. Okay. Remember, this is a psalm by David. God has told him he will be king, and many times his life was in danger. Before he was in king. So I think I want to go a little further here to say is this. 
he's saying, he's not just only saying, oh, I don't want to die. He's saying, I don't want to die without doing God's what? Will. Will, okay? Some of us, most of us don't want to die. But how many of us say, oh, I don't want to die because I still need to do God's what? Will. Will, okay? That should be our heartbeat, saying, I don't want to die until I finish God's what? Will. Will and accomplish His purpose, okay? Notice there's a second request in verses 4. There's a second reason for his request. He says, And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries, adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. David doesn't want his enemies to have the last, what, say, okay? You guys all know that one of my favorite generals of recent memory is a guy named General Mattis. One of the profound things he always says is what? When you fight a war, you got to realize, everyone needs to realize, the enemy have a vote. Yes? Yes. The enemy have a vote. And one of the most important votes they have is what? Is when the war will end, right? Yeah. You can beat was it John? So it's General John Mattis? James Mattis. Oh, James. James Mattis, okay? I think it was one of our generation's uh, better general, best general, I would even say, okay? Um, yet, at the same time, here he is David. He doesn't want his enemy to have the last say. Also remember here, David here, when he talks about enemies, I think we must see it's more than just personal enemies, is also enemies of God, okay? Yeah. So here, he, this is why he's praying to God, give me strength, saying, hey God, answer me, hey God, help me, hey God, do all these things. Because why? It's because he wants God's glory, and he wants to live to be able to accomplish God's strength. He doesn't want people to say, hey, look at God, God is a weak God, whatever else. He wants people to say, hey, this is truly for God's glory, okay? So his application. Consider the grace of God that we can go to God in prayer of our requests. Consider it's a great privilege that we can go to God to pray when we are going through a tough time. Okay? By the way, why can we go to God in our tough time? It's because the road is accessible because of Christ, right? Who's died for us, whose blood washes us so that we could, our prayer, we could pray as saints and we could be heard. Okay? Second application question is, do you pray to God for strength to do His will? Okay? Sometimes we just ask for God's grace just to strength, just to do what we want. But do you also pray for God to do His will? Right? And by the way, sometimes that will overlaps with what we want. It is God's will for us to work. It is God's will, for instance, for... Uh, I love Jen's prayer request. Could I just share this? Right earlier was to pray for His art business. But He didn't pray... But when I, when I talk to Jen, it's not just only praying just for art, for art business itself, but also for arts, for the glory of what? God. <laughs> God and also for his calling does that make sense yeah. same thing every one of our job is a calling do you guys realize this yeah. I also believe there's no such thing as one job more holier than another yeah. okay now some of it might be more direct in terms of the gospel but I believe even if you bag groceries you must and if it's God's will your calling you must yeah. bag glory for the glory of God yeah. with all the strength okay you need to be that if you need to work at Albertson you, you will be the best bagger for the glory of God does that make sense yeah. If you're in the swim team, you're going to try to aim to be the best. Not yeah. for your own glory, but so that God will be glorified. Does that make yeah. sense? So in everything we do, okay, it should be for the glory of God, okay? So do, do you, third, another third application question, do you want to live to do God's will or for your own pleasure? And by the way, the best way we glorify God is what? Do what He wants, with us for Him, with all our strength, and we enjoy Him. Do that, okay? That means when you're running, you run and say, I, I enjoy running because I enjoy the win and the glory of God. Okay? Yeah. Let's go to the third point. We should continue to trust in God. We should continue to trust in God. 
So let's review. The first point is we should continue, we should ask God our tough questions, right? One and two. Point number two is we should uh, request for God's help. Verses three to four. Now we should continue trusting God. Verses five and six. Uh, Josh, could you read verses five and six so I could catch my breath? Uh, Samuel or Psalm? Uh, Psalm thirteen. Turn back to Psalm thirteen. Verses five and six. But I have turned. Uh, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Portrait of the goddess. Has said in his heart, oh, well, that's song 14. <laughs> okay, that's a uh, heading for the next part. Just only read five and six, okay? Yeah, Josh, yeah. I know you're an eager beaver, okay? Uh, you need to be like, uh, what do you call those? That cartoon that, that, that that's all, folks, right? Uh, just right, cut it, we're right at the right place, okay? Okay, so here we see in verses five and six, um, establishes the point that we should continue trusting God. There's a turnaround going on here, it gets at the beginning, it's very dark, right? But there's a turnaround where it says, but I. Do you see that in verses 5? But I, which is emphatic, okay? Uh, now there's a contrast. Now I'm quoting here. A contrast between defeated con- the defeated condition in verses 4 and now confidence in verse 5, okay? But a confidence is not self-confidence. Confidence in who? God, God okay? Confidence in God. Yeah, it says, I have trusted in your loving kindness, Okay? Loving kindness is a big thing throughout the Bible, okay? If you guys want a systematic theology look, we've looked at it, I think, for two or three weeks. Uh, a few years ago on Sermon Audio, you guys could listen to that. But we went through that for Lighthouse, when we consider the attribute of God, okay? Um, it's a very rich one. By the way, loving kindness is mentioned more in the Old Testament than in the New Testament. Because sometimes people say, oh, God is kind in the New, not kind in the Old. That's not fully true. If you see, God's loving kindness is mentioned more in the Old Testament, Okay? Notice David is not looking inward here, but outward towards God, okay? Sometimes in our biggest trial, we should not be looking inward, okay? I know sometimes people, when they go through trials, they can say, I need my space. I need my distance. And there's some sense I could understand that. But what we do when we're alone is very, very important, okay? How, when we say, I need to deal with my uh, depression alone, what we do when, in our alone time is very important, if you're truly, truly alone, no one else is there, not even God, you're not even going to God, is that going to be helpful for your problem? No, okay? But if you're alone, but you're not truly alone, when you're alone, you're going to God in prayer. You're going to God in the Word of God. Does that help you with your problem? Yeah. Yes, okay? It does. So even when you're, so sometimes I know when I, sometimes people go to different things and say, I need my alone time. I don't want to see you, Jimmy. I understand. That's okay. That's biblical at times. But what do you do with your alone time? It's very important. Do you go totally just sulking or self-pitying or just thinking in your own mind? Or do you go to God and His Word? There's a big difference because the results are different. Those that are just only left alone would what? Sometimes the problem can get even worse. They have too much time to overthink it and think of it sometimes uh, they're thinking of others wrongly, inaccurately also as well. Or you're going to God to find comfort, to pray to Him, to ask God all your questions, to ask and request God for help, and yes, also in the end, to still trust in God. Notice here it says He trusts in loving God's kindness. He's not looking within for solution. He's looking outward, but not outwardly towards others, looking outwardly towards God. And by the way, notice He trusts in God's Word 
of His loving kindness instead of trusting in His what? Present experience, okay? We need to trust in God more than our present situation, what it looks like. What does it look like trusting in God? He'll describe this in verse 5 and 6. What does trusting in God look like? Number one is we rejoice. Uh, I forgot who it was earlier that made, I think it was Jin that made the observation that it begins dark, but then in the end it's more upbeat. He rejoices, right? Do you see that in verses 5, second half? He rejoices. He says, My heart shall rejoice in your what? Salvation, okay? Then he sings, okay? So how do we know we truly trust in God? We rejoice in God. Even when things are blue, we can still rejoice in God. Notice he also sings. Verses, uh, if you look with me also, Psalm 13, verses 6, the whole verse says what? I will sing to the Lord because he dealt bountifully what? with me. Okay, I misreferenced the outline there. But here he says what? He's singing to God, okay? But what are the reasons why he could still trust in God? Do you see this? There's two reasons. The first one we saw earlier when he rejoices because of what? Your salvation, that is, is coming from God. Salvation comes from God. It's a work of grace. Kuwait, in the worst of trials, if you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do you still have reason to still trust in God? Yes, because the salvation is still there, okay? God doesn't necessarily promise our life would be wonderful right now to the point we die. But God promises that life will be wonderful where? The next life, okay? It is not what Joel Osteen said, right? The best of life now. Your best of life is where? Heaven, okay? If your best of life ever is now, that's pretty sad. Because the next life, that means what? Hell. But if your best of life is in the future, even the worst of life thrown right now, guess what? You still have salvation, which is qualitatively better than anything we'd experience. To borrow C.S. Lewis' analogy, we might be like the little kid that's in the ghettos, right? Dealing with, you know, a bunch of mud pies, building sand castle. And but someone comes up to us and says, hey, we got to go to the Bahamas. There's something even more better than this, right? You know, fine white sand with everything else, right? Beautiful water and everything else. And that's like this reality of even life right now. Things will be tough now, but there'll be an eternity that'll be better. We have salvation. And we can still rejoice in God with the salvation that we now possess that'll be fully manifested after we die or Christ comes back. But look at a second reason at verses 6. Why could we still uh, continue trusting God is what? It says, I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Even in the worst of times, we could stop and say, is there still blessing we could still count on earth right now? And the answer is, even presently right now, not even looking to the future of heaven, there are things we could still count blessings towards God. I think that first line in verse 6 is also mentioned in some songs. Oh, sing to the Lord as new songs. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's all throughout, different part, okay? Yeah. By the way, some of these themes we'll see again, repeated again in other uh, parts, okay? So his application, continue to trust in God with your trials and what? Questions, okay? Uh, trials and questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And tribulation. Tribulation. And your tribulation. No, uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, your tough questions also. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And tribulation, okay? So your application, think of reasons to still praise God, okay? By the way, could I say this? Thinking of reason to thank God does not is not mutually exclusive or doesn't cancel out suffering. Suffering does not cancel out Thanksgiving. One of the things I love about the Chinese side is every Thanksgiving, the people in the Chinese side, they share. They race with each other, even with their little 
carts, right? They're pushing to race no, up like there. Okay? Walkers or yeah, they're walkering me, mm -hmm. right? And they go up there and they have many reasons to praise. In fact, sometimes the people that have more, the deepest profound reason to praise are those that are going through a lot of trials and suffering because they're conscious of every little good thing that God has given us. Yes? Okay? Uh, I'm conscious oftentimes when I go overseas, coming back, like, wow, I am so spoiled as an American. Many things. Because why? And so until you think about it, until certain things are bright, until you see others, you realize, whoa, okay? We are so many things to be thankful to God for, okay? So count those reasons. Think of reasons to praise God still, how He continue. How is He continue with His kindness? Ultimately, think of salvation. Study the gospel, what God has done. Look at the epistles to see the doctrines of God's salvation, okay? Of what God has done to save us. And let that move you to trust in Him, okay? Let that move you to trust in Him, okay? And Christ has loved you. He's died for you and saved you, okay? 